Alrighty, welcome back to another episode of Over the Glass. I am your host, Jay. I'm Nessa. Today we have Rachel. How do you say your last name? Is it Lanes? Lanes. Lanes, okay. Rachel Lanes. Um, would you like to introduce yourself, uh, how you identify, and how you got into hockey? Um, to be honest, I've never had to identify myself, so... I mean, my name's Rachel Honest, and I think preferably just call me Rachel, and that's how I, you know, that's that's how I've been talked to you before. So, um, yeah, I'm the uh, head strength and conditioning coach for the San Jose Barracuda. I help out with the San Jose Sharks side, too. We just actually finished up our own training camp, and now the Sharks are heading to Berlin. I mean, they probably just got in today. So, um, yeah, that's me. Can you share a bit about your journey with going to the San Jose Junior Sharks to your time at Northeastern University? Yeah, so I grew up in San Jose, born and raised. Um, started playing hockey when I was 12 with the Junior Sharks girls program. And um, I ended up playing there all the way up until I was 17. I went to the North American Hockey Academy. The only reason I really left too was because um, our 19U team had folded. So a lot of the girls that were on my team previously had graduated and we couldn't field the team. So I went to um, North American Hockey Academy in Stowe, Vermont at the time. Uh, I did a year there and that was huge for me just because being in Junior Sharks, you know, it was always a big fish here. And then when I went over to Naha, I was like, wow, I got to really step it up here because all these girls are Division One prospects and that's kind of the reputation they have of sending girls division one and um, junior sharks gave me a perfect foundation to move forward and progress in my career. And when I got there, it wasn't that much of a difference in terms of like being behind anybody. I felt like I was right where I needed to be with skill and, and just being able to work through things and being at the same level as those girls. So that was great. And then I ended up earning a full scholarship to Northeastern um, probably like beginning of the the that season so Naha actually I went to one tournament I remember talking to a bunch of coaches right after that tournament and Northeastern happened to be one of them and I ended up committing maybe a couple months later um, so that brought me into Northeastern where I spent five years I did a co-op year uh, it's basically like the greatest thing about Northeastern is when you pick your major you get to your fifth fourth or fifth year you can get put into a position of whatever you want to do within your major and usually you get rehired right after that as long as you have you did a good job and you're basically your internship um so that was my fifth year i actually majored in criminal justice which for me didn't expect to do that but it was a route that i found interesting and as i was experiencing things throughout college i was like how what am i going to do post-college and i didn't really know i just knew hockey was going to be in my future and whatever else you know would be to be second priority basically so I thought if hockey ended for me going into the criminal justice route um, I was actually thinking about being a U.S. Marshal would be you know a good backup plan for me I actually was a officer at the Federal Reserve Bank for half a year and got to know a lot of the guys from Boston PD and even the military so that was a pretty unique experience for me um, honestly don't want to do it don't want to go in any other field besides hockey after experiencing all that stuff because I just realized what um, I can contribute in terms of in, in athletics is, you know, hockey is my calling and I think this is 
especially right now where I'm supposed to be. So, but I, without those experience, I wouldn't know that. Um, yeah. And then that was Northeastern. And then I'm sure we can get into my pro career after that, which um, led me to the Boston Blades at the time. Digit Murphy actually gave me a call right after I finished up my fourth year at Northeastern and asked me what I was doing. And he um, said nothing in terms of hockey. So I'm looking for a team. She took me onto the team. And um, I can't remember. We didn't win that year. We actually lost in the championships that year. But I ended up going back again for another year with the Blades um, with Digit again. And we actually won that championship that year. And that also led into the first inaugural season of the NWHL. Now I think, I, I don't even know. It's called the PHL, actually, Premier Hockey League now. So um, do you guys want me to keep going? Because it, it gets pretty yes. like, extensive. Um, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so after Boston Blades, I took a position or position, a contract with the Boston Pride. And it was really weird because both leagues were still going at the time. So it was like you're either in the PWP, NWHL or the CWHL and um, it just depended on everyone's like preference just because this league was paying um, I think a lot of girls filtered that way including myself but it was just a new opportunity to grow the game that way um, I spent two seasons with the pride and won one championship with the pride um, after I finished up there it seemed like I spent my entire you know, adult life in Boston, and I was ready for a change. Um, I didn't know where that change would be. And Digit Murphy comes a calling again at the right place, right time type of thing and says, hey, I'm looking for a strength coach and a player for the Chinese national team. And I was like, well, that's great because I do both. And she's just like, well, yeah, I think you're the person who can, can definitely manage two jobs at once. And you know, here's this opportunity to come come live and work in China with the Chinese national team. So um, I believe that was 2017. So I left Boston and uh, I headed to China to the Kunlin Red Star. And that was a great team. We had some players I had played with with the Boston Blades. And, and you could just tell, like, Digit Murphy is kind of that, that person that brought us all together where um, we're seeing the same faces. We're just on a new team, which is it was pretty great just because we know the culture digit anywhere she goes, tries to tries to establish and the vision she had for the Chinese national team. And she, she said that, you know, leading up to 2022, we have this plan um, to instill, you know, digits methods in her culture and how she treats her athletes and how me and our other North Americans as sports ambassadors are going to influence, you know, the Chinese national players. Um, so, Basically, every North American who went there that year was is an ambassador, and we helped the Chinese in our own ways. So some people mentored them in terms of nutrition, uh, even law fi stuff too, and then just online skills. We had our own player, and we would mentor, you know, one or two of them. Um, like it was, it was pretty neat how the the setup was there. And then obviously for me, I was a player and a strength coach at the time. Um, unfortunately, as the years went on, Digit, Digit was removed from her position. We got new coaches every year, which as a player, it's, it's tough because I, I went through all five years. I, was the, I think I was the only player to actually do all five years without missing any games um, or any parts of the season. And now this is my first year away from that whole thing, which, again, not my choice in terms of 
like I would have been there this year if not for, you know, some things going on over there. Um, Cause right now the team's based out of Russia. So um, I think just learning from experience, I was the strength coach for the last four years with the Cunlin Red Star leading up to the 2022 Olympics. Um, and then with this year, with the circumstances overseas, I was offered a position and, or offered a position. I was given the opportunity to interview for the Barracuda and um, you know, I didn't hesitate and uh, when I was offered the position, I didn't hesitate either. I knew that this was the next step for me. And uh, now I'm here. Now I'm here training training boys instead of my own teammates. And I um, should say boys, men. Um, <laughs> but it's awesome. It's, it's funny how every experience just leads you to where you're supposed to be as long as you keep an open mind and you're ready for the next opportunity. And I, I know that just being in China and Russia and North America the last five years just kind of floating around and, and doing my own thing and staying in my own lane. Um, every thing I had to run into, every challenge has just prepared me so much for being here because here I'm not, it's so fun. Like I wake up every day and I'm just like super happy to get to the rink and prepare to, you know, help these guys get to that NHL level and, you know, at the same time teach them some lessons and hopefully some habits that'll stick with them when they eventually maintain their status as professionals. One of, that's so inspirational. <laughs> <laughs> One of the questions that um, I had as you were chatting about all that is, I mean, we we hear a lot from the men's side of the sport. You know, they they go through, you know, the different tiers, and then they go into junior, and then they go through the OHL, the WHL, and all that stuff. So we're fairly familiar with like the pipeline. Um, most men will go through to pursue professional hockey but your journey one of my questions about that is is how unique or common is that in comparison to your your the other women that you've played with it's it's a lot more pressure i think on the men's side because there are so many more men's players aiming to be on obviously NHL teams. Um, again, it's a, it's a learning curve for me too. I didn't, I didn't really understand where the players are coming from and how it works in terms of transactions from AHL to NHL to even um, ECHL. I, I'm learning that as I go, but yeah, I think the stress for sure and what I'm experiencing now is like, it's so cutthroat at this level that um, in women's hockey, because there's not many leagues and there's not many women, especially like when you look at caliber, there's definitely different calibers of players in professional leagues. Like you expect professional league, everyone to be top to bottom, like A, B players. In women's hockey, it's just not like that. There's A, B, C, D players, and the D players are there maybe because they can own a specific role. Um and, you know, they have some intangibles that a coach just can't pass up. Where in men's hockey, you can you can make any player what they need to be to fit a role. As long as, and for them, it's like they're going to do it to stay on the team. Um, where in women's hockey, if, you know, you don't have the skill, coaches are going to find a way to utilize you, hopefully. Um, so in that sense, like for me, I've always been – a pretty like if I were to rank them there's like the Olympic level athletes and then right below it is that professional level and honestly there's a fine line between those pro players and into the Olympics it's just a matter of are you given that opportunity 
um, and what country are you able to represent. And then below that, you have people who obviously can't play full-time because there's no such thing for women's hockey. There's no such thing as a full-time professional women's hockey player. Um, For me, fortunately, in Russia, there is. Like, we're getting paid full-time money. Um, We're just, you know, we're not in North America, which is just the downside to things. But um, you deal with it because you're able to pursue your career in hockey. So um, as for stress, though, like, uh, these these guys like have just finished training camp and you get used to seeing them at the sharks level and you think they do so well and then they get sent down and sent back up and you're just like oh like and for a guy to to have to deal with that mentally is you know I'm I'm trying to be kind of that that bridge where it's like I don't want to see you again so how can we both basically figure out an action plan to where if you get called up you're not coming back down um, and that's where my job is right now. Every, every man I encounter at the CUDA level, I want to give them all the tools they need to be that successful pro because in the women's game, I was able to find it. I think if you look through my resume, I'm the first person to win in all three leagues. WHL is the Russian league. CWHL was the Canadian women's hockey league and the NWHL now the PHL. Um, I've been able to find success at each level and I had hardships in each level as my first year being a third line, third line forward, not expecting that at all. Because at Northeastern, I was, you know, I was playing on a top line with Kendall Coyne. And all of a sudden, you go to pro hockey and you're a third line behind players who've been there. They've just put in the time and, you know, they're there. So I could definitely take my own experiences and help these guys out. Um, just in the way of how, even if you look at my stature, like, I'm not tall. I'm, I'm always the shortest kid on the team. And... Like, you have to find things that are going to set you apart, and I call them my intangibles. Like, no one's going to be able to do one thing or another better than me, and that, to a coach, like, you, you're you not going to pass that up. So basically, I just got to help these guys find their intangibles because I don't want them to think that, you know, they're replaceable. I want them to know that I'm going to do this the best of my ability. Um, a lot of the time, it's obviously trying to get them to to retrain their minds to to play smarter and not it, obviously everyone can work hard but can you can you play smart can you think the game a little bit better and i try to do that stuff just in the weight room um i'm fortunate i get to go on rehab by so i get to instill some of the skill stuff i've learned over the things over my over my past but um yeah i mean in in this time frame i just know the stress they're under but if i can give them something that's in their control i think they as a pro, appreciate that because you look at our regimen, you look at our routine and our schedules, not much is in their control. Um, and they think they have to work harder than everyone else. I'm like, everyone's working working hard here. That's not what the, what's going to set you apart. you got to find what, what you can pull yourself, um, pull from yourself and really just set yourself apart. And I'm, I'm here to kind of help them, like bring that awareness to them. So... Yeah, a lot from my experience that I can bring to these guys, and I'm just getting started, which is great because I've, I've been able to already make some impact and, and just chat with the guys individually. But um, until we get the season rolling next week, um, I'm just kind of excited to see what I can bring to them. So, I mean, it's incredibly This gets exciting. me more excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it gets me excited for the season. I'm super – like, and the thing is, like, I love, like – I love – the strength side, obviously, that's my career. Um, but because I've been a player for so long, I know how to bridge weight room 
to ice. Like there's this whole misconception that they're separate. It's like what you do in the weight room is like, yeah, you want to get stronger, you want to get faster, and that's going to help you on the ice. Those are very general things, and and each guy needs one more than the other. And yeah, I'm, I'm can help them with that. But it's also like, what about the skill stuff? Like because you have the talented players on the ice, and then you have the players who are kind of right in the middle, just working their tail off to just earn a spot. I'm trying to give them little things like in terms of skill like what can we control we can control training our vision we can control training our balance we can control training coordination becoming more athletic thinking faster that's stuff that's not really um, honed in on off the ice and that's that's what I'm looking to do like if I can make a guy or teach a guy to make more reads on the ice obviously you're going to be able to make better decisions if you can get your eyes up and actually make some reads um, which it's funny because they, they do stuff in here and they think it's silly, but I'm like, I'll, I can show you how it sticks to the ice because everything we do in here, I want it to, to stick. I want to show them exactly where it's going to be utilized on the ice, not just doing a trap bar deadlift and saying, oh, yeah, the more weight you lift, the more possibility of producing force on the ice equals you being stronger and not being pushed off the puck. Like It's so general in that way where I can take little skill developments and put them between my lifting sessions. And I think they get more out of it because one, it's new and two, they can actually feel a difference on the ice, which, and when you guys watch them this season, I'm, I'm really excited to see all the guys, especially cause we have such a young team. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're all, they all work their tails off, but I think, you know, just them being young and then just wanting to get after it um, both on and off the ice, it's going to be an exciting team to watch. Yeah, we've been talking about how excited we're, we're, we are to see the, the Barracuda specifically to play because it's a lot of new prospects coming in, and it's just going to be interesting to see how they all mesh together. Yeah. For now, they're they're pretty good. Like all of them have been big sponges. Like they'll ask me questions, and um, you know they're interested. And a lot of the time, like being a pro and and just coming from my game is. I think what sets me apart in the women's game is my ability to manage myself, my self-awareness and knowing exactly what I need and what to implement for myself. That not many people know how to do that. They, they're looking for direction. I never really had that direction from one specific coach. I think I've just taken information from each coach as I've grown in my hockey career and kind of just asked those questions of like, how do I know that's right for me? Because what you know you get usually in team setting is very general. But you as a player, if you really want to, you know, bet on yourself, you have to individualize your things. You can't just do general things that, hey, this makes me feel good. So I'm going to do it forever and never adapt to something new. Um, I'm always adapting. I'm always trying new things because your body, when you when you continue to grow, when your mindset continues to change, um, your body's going to want different things. And, you know, from Northeastern, I would do the same routines pre pre-game, post-game, um, even in lifts, I would do the same routines. And that's great, but that's how you get stagnant. And I was realizing that early in my hockey career. Why am I not able to perform where I need to perform? I know I'm better than this. And, you know, again, meeting the right people, asking the right questions, re- and then obviously learning something new and being able to execute it and integrate it. Um so I see these guys, they love to do their routines and, and slowly but surely I'm just like, let's, let's try this. 
um, and they kind of forget about what they were doing before. And then they see different results and they're like, never felt that. I'm like, it's great. It's called the, it's called growth. Um, (laughs) so yeah, that's the, and you know, with them being sponges, they're, they're all for it. And, you know, being, being in this position, I'm, I'm definitely someone who's in their corner and they, they know that they can trust me. Um, I never want to see a guy hurt. I know it's part of the game, but I, when I am in control of this environment, I'm being as proactive as I can and not reactive. Um, I want to make sure that, you know, we're just not having to deal with those injuries. We're going to, we're going to take care of our bodies to a point where you less likely to happen. But if it does happen, we knew, we know how to get you back and we will give you the confidence to play even better when you come back. I wanted to comment on how you mentioned, I think we're probably around the same height and, um, I mean, I play beer league, so, you know, not anything to the, the level that you're, that you're seeing, but, um, I mean, I play with guys that are like six feet tall and, you know, as someone who's short stature, you have to think the game in a different way because you can't do what like the six foot tall guy is doing. So you have to consider what elements of your game can you make better so you can be more competitive and i feel like you kind of add that extra element to because i'd imagine you know you've gone up against folks that you know they can probably skate a little faster because their their legs are a bit longer so now you've got to work on like how can i increase my power so i can keep up with everybody so um do you kind of have anything to kind of add on to a certain experience that you might have with the with that yeah i mean the the i think the best part about my experiences is that i've been through it all and i've experienced being always being the fastest kid on the ice and coaches utilize me for that because you're small and you're fast and you're quick you can get to spaces um you're pesky and the one thing was it was always like oh but we got to make sure you're strong enough and and i never knew like you tell a player to get stronger, what does that even mean? Um, to me, now I know it means can you, whatever you weight in, you, whatever you lift in the weight room, can you produce that same force in vulnerable, vulnerable positions? If you're in any position on the ice, which it's all, you're always vulnerable. You're always going to be looking to take a hit, looking to give a hit, receiving passes under pressure, receiving passes through traffic and shooting and all that stuff. Can you produce the same force when you're given context? So like for me, when I was at Northeastern, I was always, it was, it was always me and Coiner, like Kendall Coin, just one and two in all the strength tests, in all the speed tests, on and off the ice. So I was always one of the strongest. I was always one of the fastest. We just happened, both of us just be happened to be five, two, um, and you can just tell the players who are smaller always work on strength speed because you need to have those things. Where now the older, not the older players, the taller players don't necessarily focus on it because they already have it. They already can handle themselves on the ice. So it's a huge advantage, I think, for everyone to obviously round out their abilities in terms of strength, power, speed. Um, and then the other part of it is how athletic are you? Because if you can do all that stuff in the weight room, you can lift so much weight, but on the ice skill wise, you're just not there. You can't, you know, you can't execute it when you need to execute it 
then it really doesn't matter how much you lift, how much you move off the ice. So like you said, there's going to be taller players who have, again, advantages. They don't have to move their legs as fast because they can cover distances. For me, I got to take as so many strides to get going. That's something in my game that over the years I've had to work on in terms of being efficient. Like how can I cover the same amount of ground but still be more efficient than the next person? Um, bringing that all into the weight room. And, and I do a lot of um, movement-based stuff. Like in the summers, it's half and half. Like, and I would say I do more like turf, like sprinting, mini games, contextual speed. Like that's all on the turf. And then knowing what we need to work on in terms of like athleticism, I bring that into the weight room and it's all supplementary. Like how can we improve what we need to do? Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to improve my ability to play hockey. I don't care if I am the best weightlifter. That's not going to mean anything at the end of the day. It's can we, what we do off the ice, is it going to stick with us on the ice? Can we, you know, can we show the work we've done on the ice on or off the ice onto the ice? Um, but yeah, I think you brought that up and I, I was always like, I've never found an issue with taller players, like especially with speed and being smaller, I think there's a big advantage. If you look in today's game, all the smaller guys, it's hard to hit them. And that's that's the advantage is that they're athletic. They may not be the strongest in the weight room, but good luck catching them. And the amount of energy bigger players have to exert in trying to stay with them, I think they have a lot more ways to go than smaller players these days. Just just how the game's evolved um, and how young smaller players have adapted. So bigger players, I definitely think, can use more athletic work, like just in terms of movement. Um, when I see my guys do just extensive hopping um, and coordination work, yeah, we're going to work on it. And I'm going to prioritize that over lifting anything. Um, and then maybe my smaller guys, yeah, we can, we can work on loading a little bit more. But at the same time, I want to keep you athletic. I don't want you to stay rigid. I think there's that rigid spectrum like here and then obviously more coordinative and flexible and agile on one side but we have to kind of float that line and see based on your playing style where do we need you to be um and then where do we need to train you so yeah i mean i think it's funny because i've been on both ends of that definitely being more rigid at certain times in my career and knowing the advantages but now being on the other side where i let my athleticism take over and I just feel so much better. Like, um, and the funny thing about strength is once you have lifted a lot, you like I could lift easily 350 pounds in a deadlift, like no problem. And I can go away from it for months at a time and just pick up the bar and do it again. But like the main thing is, is like when I go on the ice, am I still able to skate through people, maintain my efficiency throughout a whole game? That's what I ultimately care about and if I can't do it then I got to find ways to make sure that's in check for me um, and I'm doing it the same with these guys they just have to be aware of what they should be looking for and again that's my job to help them bridge some awareness um, do you do personal training yeah that's actually <laughs> I have my own business train perform repeat I actually train like like in the summers I train Mostly females because um, any of the D1, D3 players that live in San Jose come back home. I train them on and off the ice. Um, when I was in Boston, I was training adults. Like It was so funny because I was training uh, girls teams, like young girls teams, and the moms would always be there to pick them up. 
And I don't know something about like just being at that age and just being like, get away from me, mom. And then I love that because I was like, you know what? Actually, we're just going to have the moms lift and work out with you guys and just show you that they can do more than you. And that uh, for them to see that, like I had girls and their moms kind of training at the same time and they that mutual respect came through and they appreciate like the daughters would appreciate their moms because they don't think their moms can do it. Right. So I made sure like at least once a week, I would tell the moms, like, if you want to work out, like, come on and join in. Um, but yeah, I've trained adults my whole life. Like, I think I, I wouldn't be able to grow as a trainer if I didn't train the whole spectrum of, of if everyone's an athlete. Right. So, um, even people who, who never played sports, I, I want you to become more athletic because the second you become stagnant is, is when things happen in terms of health and just your mind. Like if you're not moving, you're not getting out, you're not being active, I think in terms of mindset, um, that's where, you know, some issues come into play. So if we could get you athletic, we could get you feeling good, we can get you more confident in, in things you never thought you could do. Like I'm, I'm your person. If you, like, shoot, just shoot me a direct message, and we'll, we'll help you out. Nessa's gonna oh send it right after this. I think. I, I don't like, know. I need, I need help. Right now. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I have my cousins probably, and I hope she's, she watches this because she had her wedding uh, last year, and she, she messaged me three and a half months before the wedding. She's like, "Hey, I'm not gonna lie. I've let myself go, but I'm getting married." In July, like July 3rd, and I think she messaged me in March. And I'm like, okay, well, once I get back from Russia, um, we'll hit it. And the hardest part with her was, like, she expected to go hard all the time. She's like, I'm going to get my butt kicked. And it was so funny because she would come in, and I'd be like, well, how's how's work? You know, how's everything else? Like, how's stress? Like, how's the stress? And she's like, I'm always stressed. I'm like, well, if you're always stressed, I'm not going to stress you more in here. So what we're going to do is we're going to go for long walks. And we're going to try to to manage that stress. And a, a lot of it is learning how to manage stress, like with, with adults. But even in here, like some sometimes like adults let little things just ruin everything. And it's like if you come into a weight room expecting to just use it as an escape, it's only going to hurt you more. You may feel better after like just feeling like you beat yourself up. But the truth is you're already beat up. Why are you, why are you continually going to put yourself in this hole what I'm here for is to kind of pull you out and show you the hole you created for yourself and how to start packing that hole so we don't go back in. Um, and with her, she's ha she has a stressful job. And, you know, wh whatever her – she has to deal with a lot of people all the time. So I was like, okay, well, why are you so mad? Like, you can't control other people, but you can control how you react to all this stuff. And you can definitely be proactive about you know that's going to piss you off. So – be proactive and take the steps you need so when that when it happens, when someone does say something or do something that you dislike, it doesn't affect you as much as it would before. And then now when you come into the gym, you come in with an empty mind and you're not thinking about, oh my God, I have to get all this done. You're thinking about what's on the agenda today. Like how can I get better in here today? Because the more crap you bring into the weight room, like you won't be able to take much out of the weight room. You're just going to add more to that to that hole. Um, so with my cousin, it was a lot of slow cooking. And I think these guys are going to get used to something new because it's, it's all slow cooking. It's, it's incorporating things they've never done before, or even if they've done it before, not my way. 
Um, and we're going to do it my way continually to a point where it's like, oh my God, we're doing this so much. Like, like, well, it's the same stuff. And I'm like, yes, it's the same stuff. But if you're doing it the right way, we can progress. If you're not going to stick to the process and just do the right thing the first time, we're going to keep doing it. And um, with my adult sessions, it's the same thing. Like with her, I want to lift something heavy. You haven't earned it. But I can do it. You haven't earned it. You're not ready for it. And I think with adults, that step back and just bringing more awareness to their body and just how they manage stress. And even if they manage stress at all, right? They just like, like, how would you say you manage stress? Like if you're stressed out through whatever, whatever bothered you that day, you're probably either going to go sleep, you're going to go drink something. Um, you're going to go do something to get your mind off things. I teach you how to attack those stressors. And again, like I said, I like the using the word proactive is just that I know it's going to happen. So how can I, how can I fight it before it even happens? Um, that's the battle. And then once you can manage stress, then we can get some work done. I love this approach. <laughs> yeah. this is, I, I'm not familiar with a lot of athletes, professional athletes or anything. And so I don't really know what goes behind closed doors. Like for, like for hockey, I only see the product on the ice, right? I don't know what happens in training or anything like that. So in my head, it's always just a bunch of dudes lifting weights trying to one-up each other, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. If you came in and watched my sessions, the first thing the guys, like, like they get a bag session and, like, they got bagged on the ice. And I know this because I'm watching the practice, one, and two, I know their baseline heart rates. So if we have really good, like, software here where I know when they're overreaching, like, when they're doing too much and on the ice, it's going to happen. It just happens. This is hockey. Um, especially in the beginning of the season, we tend to load the guys because they're fresh. Um, they come into the weight room, they expect like, oh, we're going to get bagged in here too. And, and I tell them like, what do you want to do? And like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you just had a hard session. So if you don't know what you want to do, here's your options. And it's very low volume, low intensity things that are going to, again, it's all about this balance. Off, on the ice, if we're up here today, if we had a really hard day, then you're all the way down here in the weight room because I need to make sure that when we come out of the rink, we're in a good place where we manage the stress we needed to manage. If I went, if they went here and I went here, you're just going to hate me and hate them and hate yourself. And then you're going to come back the next day and you're not going to be able to perform where we need you to perform because you're too tired. Um, so for me, finding that balance and letting them know I'm on your side. I'm not ever going to bag you in the gym because you should be performing on the ice. You should be leaving everything you have out on the ice every day. And then I deal with whatever whatever else you have in here, um, and they're used. They're not used to that because, in especially in hockey, it's been so traditional where, you know, we need to work hard all the time. It doesn't mean you're not working hard. You're just going to work smarter. Um, and the smarter way of working is knowing when you're going too hard, and knowing that when you taper back, it's not taking a step back. It's literally just regrouping yourself so we can get back to here. So for these guys to take that, um, it's going to be hard. And I've already hit, uh, run into some things where, you know, guys want to go, go, go. I have no problem with that. But I just make sure when I give them, you know, extra workouts, it's going to be beneficial to the goals we need to to attack with them. So I want to work out, but they don't they don't care what it is. I'm like, OK, well, then I know you have some shoulder issues. So we're going to hammer out your shoulders and make sure that we're not going to get we're not going to 
inflame or re-injure um, anything that's going on with the shoulder. So we'll strengthen, we'll strengthen around that area or deal with whatever we're doing there. Um, and they're happy with it because it's like, yeah, I'm getting an extra workout. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's pretty obvious to see your passion for, for the strength and conditioning side of things, but we're curious to know if um, you have any plans to continue your career as a, as a professional hockey player. That was my first thing when I interviewed. I, I told them that um, if I'm offered this position, my number one priority is to develop every single person I encounter, is to help them become NHLers and to instill habits that are going to keep them in the NHL. Um, my second priority is the 2026 Olympics. And they're like, how, how are you going to train for that? I was like, so I have to wake up a little bit extra early every day before I come in to skate. Um, so there's like 6.30 a.m. sessions here that I'll skate at. I'll do my own skill sessions at. And then I'll take care of these guys all morning. And then it's usually around this time I'll get my lift in. And then I also run skill development for the Junior Sharks girls. So right now it's only one day a week because that's really all I can handle um, with training camp schedule. But I run Junior Sharks skills from like 3 to 9 on Wednesdays. Um, but in between all of my work with the CUDA, my work with the Junior Sharks, I'm training myself. It's what I've always been doing. So, I mean, for me, I think if we circle back to what I said in the beginning, I know exactly what I need. I know exactly when when and what to do. Um, so I'm in an advantage from other females who have to have a job on the side of playing, you know, games. Um, I know how to push myself and I know where I should be in terms of season. So this is a little bit different because I'm obviously not playing in a league, um, but it helps because, and we'll go over, you know, a lot of the, the mental stuff I had to go through last year training for the Olympic year. Um, I had a lot of things happen last year that, you know, I've never had to deal with my entire life. And those were reality checks for me in the summer where, should I go back? Am I in the right mind? Like, do I have the right mindset to go back? Because I know mentally, I can put, any hockey player can put themselves through anything. But is it the right thing to do? Um, and I had to go back and forth with myself because in my head, I'm like, I'm a hockey player. That's what I'm meant to be. Um, it's not who, who I am, but it is what I am meant to do. And it was so hard to take a step back and say, okay, I, I can't go play this year because I haven't dealt with a lot of emotional things that had happened to me leading up to the Olympics. And now I get to stay home with my family. I get to be in one spot and have a support system here. Um, and on top of that, when you think about it, you you have a structured system and you have support. Um, my training is just only going to help me get better because when you're in Russia, I'm not going to lie, it's such a grind there, um, especially food-wise. I take care of my body so well off season because I know what's going to happen when we go back to Russia in terms of the food, in terms of the environment, a lot of things are not in your control. Um, so when I'm home, I usually control all aspects of that because I know over there, the only thing you have control over is literally like your attitude and of how you're going to attack the day and what you decide to put in your body and how hard you want to go that day. 
Like you, you're in charge of all of that. But when you don't get to pick your food, you don't get to pick your schedule, you don't get to pick your coaches, you don't get to pick how anyone talks to you or treats you. Um, and again, you don't get to pick how your teammates react to stress as well. So a lot of that being around my teammates is like everyone's stressed, everyone expresses it differently. And, you know, we're a team, like we tend to trend towards each other. So it's hard to stay positive when, you know, most of the team is just down in the dirt. Um, and especially as a strength coach, I think what people don't realize being a player and a strength coach is super hard just because they see you as a teammate all the time. And then all of a sudden I just put the strength coach hat on and then I expect them to see me as the trainer. Um, I've been fortunate to have super open-minded teammates and just like trying to get them to trust me from day one and, and, you know, just talk to them like, Hey, like, I trust that, you know, what you need but I'm here if you, you know, for anything and they trust what I'm giving them. But, and then also just the emotional part. Like I know, I know exactly how we're all feeling. We're all going through the same thing. We just, again, for me, I'm an onion. Like you wouldn't know what I was going through. And then other people, you know exactly what they're going through. So having individual conversations with all of them and just making sure like what we do today needs to be beneficial. It, it has to help us get better because at the end of the day, February, we have to be ready to go. So what can we do every single day to make sure I can help your day be better? And uh, yeah, and then for me, not, them not knowing what I was going through, and it was a lot. Like, so going through the Olympics and, and seeing all that hard work and all that effort, just like all the sacrifice I've made my entire life just kind of unfold at the Olympic Games. Um, it was all worth it, but then coming home and having to deal with the reality, I was just like, oh, I should probably take a step back. Um, this opportunity opened up for me, and I was like, wow, I mean, it is all time and place, especially with NHL. Um, if something like this ever opens up, you take it, especially as a female. I don't know any female who's a head strain coach for an AHL team. I, haven't, I don't know. I don't know any assistants. Um, I don't know any female in the NHL as a strain coach, and when this opened up, I was like, feel like this is where I need to be and this is also where I can deal with things as a player I've pushed to the side and now I'm going to deal with them um and hopefully I come out as a better player without actually having to play for a team so don't worry to all the people who are like where's where am I this year with coming red star like I have like all my priorities are obviously with the CUDA but um being a strength coach the last, I don't know how many years, I've always had to put me second. And I have no problem doing it again. It's just, I got to make sure I stay on top of what I need to stay on top of and uh, keep training myself. And it helps because one of my teammates is here this season too, um, taking a break from the national team. So I have her and we're training together. And, you know, it doesn't hurt like getting out on the rehab ice and being able to pass and shoot and skate with, with some of the guys. So, um, just got to find ways to keep me engaged and, and again, getting those high intensity days when I need them to kind of match what I'd be missing in terms of hockey season. But it never hurts to get rest, which I, I haven't had a lot of in the last five years. So, yeah. <laughs> Maybe you should uh, get some. <laughs> well, that's, that's like the best part about it is I wake up and I'm like, okay, I, I have that set schedule with the guys and then the rest of the afternoon I can decide what I need to do for myself. Um, and then, you know, being, being around family, I get time with my family. My mom hasn't seen, seen September Rachel 
in October, Rachel, in <laughs> 12 years. Like, she doesn't mm-hmm. know me during this time of the year. And it's just me and her now. So I think for her, just having support as well. Because, you know, I've never had my family supporting me overseas. It's just been over the phone. And now, you know, I get to see September mom. And it's like, I've never seen you seven months out of the year. I don't know what this looks like. But she's the same person. It's just just nice to be around each other a lot more. For sure. Yeah. So that kind of makes me want to scoot on over to our next section. Um, As you know, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on is because this month is Filipino American Heritage Month. And I myself am half Filipino, half Chinese. And uh, can you tell us what it means to grow up as Asian American? Oh my gosh. Well, I just think that fortunate because this rank in itself has more Asians than than like any other race. It's kind of crazy. Like everyone is either like Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, like some mixed blood in there, which is awesome. So growing up, um, like I never felt out of place in this sport. I felt like there was always Asians around. Um and my parents obviously flocked to the Asian families and we became one big family. And not just with Asian families, every, every, everyone in the Sharks organization. Like, I know my parents enjoyed the off-ice just because they're around family. And um, it's like with the big Filipino families, you know every party is full-spread buffet. Um, and... I only get to see that during Christmas. Like I would only really come home during Christmas time and like summertime. So like I would get my fix on all this food. And now I'm like, I can't do this like all the time. Like every month, you know, Filipinos just want to find an it's, excuse to it's party. It's a lot of food that's not good for you. Right. They <laughs> just want to so find good. a reason. They're like, oh, yeah. oh, um, um, it's Friday. Eric's, yeah, off, let's Eric's off work today. Let's celebrate. It's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, let's have a barbecue. And it's like, oh my gosh, okay. And then we just, everyone's birthday, like, hey, mm-hmm. you know. And um, it's awesome though, because I've never been very close with my family because, again, they only see me four months out of the year, maybe three months out of the year. So now, you know, I have, you know, I have godchildren that I've never spent time with. And um, you know, I get to take them to the rink, we can go skate, we can do anything, I can influence them, you know, and, you know, share my experiences with them. Um, and just being part of, obviously, the big Filipino family, everyone has your back. It's just so funny, because I'm always away, but it's never like, it's like I never leave um, when you see them again, which is awesome. So um, big traditional, like, Filipino side, both my parents, um have Filipino heritage. Uh, My mom came from the Philippines, I think when she was in high school, my dad was born and raised here, but both, both parents came. So again, both blue collar, blue, blue collar workers and instilled that, that work ethic in me, but also loyalty, trust and and family. Um, Those have always been big part of me, um, which is great now because now I can actually experience my family more, more than once a year. Um, and then in terms of sport, like I said, like I've never felt out of place. It was funny during my college recruiting process, Minnesota Duluth was like my number one school at, at like towards the end, it was either them or Northeastern. And my dad was like, you're going to be the only Asian there. It was like Minnesota, <laughs> right? Like I'm like, but to me, I was like, that never really like crossed my mind. 
I've never like had to deal with like being the only Asian. So if it happened, it happened, but it never has. Like even even playing for the Pride, I think were there any other Asians? Like you wouldn't even know because no one no one treats you like any differently. And um, the only thing that's funny is when I went to China my first year is how uncultured some North Americans were and they didn't want to try food and, and new foods and things. And for me, uh, when I got there, I love every single part of an animal. Like the meat is whatever to me. I love the intestines. I love the tendon. Um, I love the liver. Like because in Filipino culture, you use the entire animal. You don't waste. And my mom growing up would just make me like soups with all like oh my god just she still does it but I honestly think that contributed to my health like and and wellness for sure um just having the nutrients from things that people just throw away because they think it's gross or they just don't think you know we use that stuff but again Asian cultures you're using all that stuff and um my teammates not knowing like and they're like we have hot pot they're seeing us like dip the the intestines into the hot pot and like the spicy hot pot. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, Oh, just try it. They're like, no, no, no. What is it? (laughs) And they're like, like what? But it's like, (laughs) but you need to try it. And I think trying to get my teammates to be like that, um, it's a pretty, pretty neat experience just to see it on from my side. And then I actually visited the Philippines to train the Philippine national team for a week and they thought they were like, oh, we got to get her to try balut. And I was like, I love balut. And like, <laughs> I love it. And they're just like, are you serious? Like, some of them don't like it. And I'm just like, no, I eat it all. Like, I'm not picky. And I, I love that my parents raised me to be, you know, just so open to trying things and just just eat it. Um, so I, definitely that side of me, because you, you see other people and they just don't want to try. They're so picky about things. I'm like, man, you're missing out on a lot but Asian culture for sure like you're gonna be eating that stuff which is great and um even my teammate makes like a lot of Chinese dishes that have a lot of carryover with like Filipino dishes which is pretty awesome just like the turn like the way it's cooked and just the the dishes themselves are very similar just the spices and the flavors might be a little bit off but um and then obviously the desserts are you can't beat the Filipino desserts so that's something I've been very like weary of being home because again when I'm in Russia you're not you're you're eating the same thing every single day like the the worst food I could eat is like potato chips like and I ate a lot of potato chips like there are just days where I needed some potato chips but um you know you don't have access so when I come home I'm like okay I want to go to Goldilocks and get some of this stuff (laughs) and um my mom's actually not big on dessert, but she, she knows some really good places that I just get some stuff from and I just try not to, to die. So, um, yeah. You mind what would sharing you your favorite yeah. dessert? <laughs> oh, it's gotta be, mm, I think there's two ways to say it. The karaoke, it's the, the yes. ball, the dough ball with brown sugar. Mm. Mm-hmm. that with coffee and it's super simple but like whenever i go to goldilocks it's always sold out and i'm just like so i should probably learn how to make it but that that is probably my favorite there's one other dessert and i think it's a chinese dessert but it's like a it's a tapioca like coconut milk with tapioca and like grass jelly and all that stuff i don't know what it's called but i'm pretty sure it might be it might be taiwanese to be honest um with or <laughs> Yeah, with mango and like mochi and, and all that stuff. 
Like, oh man, that's now really I'm gonna good. need to get some after this. Oh yeah, well, <laughs> well, my my uh, my teammates learned how to make a lot of this stuff. Like the other day, she made mochi balls with fresh fruit inside, and like I remember having that from Hong Kong, and that was like I'm just it's just dangerous. Because, like, with mochi, and I'm sure you guys know with mochi, you can't overdo it because you're, you're definitely not going to be happy the next couple days. So, yeah, those I just, are, those I are just deadly little treats. Mochi donuts. I have to stay so away good. from those, too. I, I go over to, um, shoot, it's like a French bakery. They started making these, the mochi donuts, but, like, the really doughy ones. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm super simple. I just throw a little bit of coconut sugar on it, and that's it for me. Like, I'm very basic. I don't, and I don't like a lot of sugar. That's the thing. It's like, if I, if you were to watch what I eat, it's pretty boring. And then you look at the desserts, and it's like very low sugar. I just, just enough. And one of my girls that I train is a baker, and she makes unbelievable sweets because she knows, and she knows like I'm healthy. So she's like, yeah, it's just, just sweet enough. And that's her business it's called just sweet enough. So when she comes home in the summer, I have her make like these pandan mochi muffins. Like, ugh, they're so good. Yeah. Oh, I get spoiled so by my good. kids. Yeah, I hope she listens to this because I she spoils me for sure. Because like she'll just bring over random things. And I'm like, oh my goodness. We'll have but, to um, tag her. Listen to this. <laughs> no, she will. She will for sure. But yeah, definitely fortunate because I have kids who bake, who can bake and can make anything if you ask them to, and they're always willing to do it because they love it. Um, but it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, when you were mentioning how folks are a little weary, like uh, I was telling a friend, a mutual friend of ours, born and raised in San Jose, and he really hadn't eaten any Filipino food. I mean, outside of like lumpia, you know, everyone's had lumpia. But, you know, as a, a family environment that Filipinos like to have, you want to share with with folks. And I took him out to uh, Topsilog down mm-hmm. in like south san jose yeah yep yep and um i'm like okay i know you don't he's one of those guys that doesn't really like fish you know so it's the whole texture thing people have sometimes i went okay 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 i'm not trying to scare you i'm gonna like rope you in a little you know we're just gonna start with basics we're gonna go with chicken adobo i'm gonna get you we went for breakfast so you could get the garlic rice and the, oh like, my the, goodness the that's what gets them it. that's all they have mm-hmm. to try it's mm-hmm. usually it and then I got something a little more risky, and then I'd be like, you want some? You want to try some? And then after that, I said, okay, you're going to have to try a hollow hollow. And I'm, and I'm going to ask you to put the jackfruit in there and then put the, uh, the ube ice cream. And I'm like, this is going to be our ultimate test. And now he has diabetes. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, we shared, so you know, we both okay. have diabetes. But, um, but I mean, just like little things like that. Where I mean, I grew up eating that stuff. I grew up eating sweet beans. You know, my, one of my favorite um, Chinese dishes is like the hot red bean soup. Yep, yep. And to find out later that no, no one else eats this. No one else eats like the tofu with the sweet syrup in it. That's not anybody else's dessert. It's like, you know, spoonfuls of ice cream. So it's like little things like that, that, you know, when I, when I share it with folks who aren't Filipino and they, they light up and they love it. It just, it just warms my heart. So that's um, the Filipino side of you again, like, again, the sharing and like, that's mm -hmm. any of my friends that would come over, we'd have parties like graduation party stuff that would come over and 
they just they literally feel a part of the family like like they've never and they also they mentioned it was like i've never felt like part of a family like this and it's just crazy because that's how you keep like lifelong friendships too it's like you you don't want to lose that and then every time they know they come over they're just you know they're your brother they're your sister and and my mom and my dad have always treated them like that which is you know it's pretty cool like and i still actually i one of my best friends from from high school he wasn't my best friend in high school i actually hated him but he is now a soft tissue therapist and we ran into each other like i said you run into the right people at the right time and you learn and you ask and he just happened to be able to fix what was happening with my shoulder no one else has been able to attack it that way. And he's a lot of, of why I do certain things in the weight room and why my, my whole philosophy has kind of shifted the way it has. Um, and now he, he's moved in with me. Like, he, he lives at my house. And it's like, he, when he moved in, it was like, I feel like you've always been here. And my mom is just like, where's your brother? His name's Paul. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, and it's funny that he's so easily like my, my mom and my dad have treated him that way. And even my cousins who come over all the time, like it feels like they're just all brothers and sisters anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty neat being part of Filipino family. I am not Filipino, but I did grow up with a bunch of Filipino friends. You're like well fed. Hosp- <laughs> the hospitality. Top yeah. Notch. yeah <laughs> you, know, for sure. you know, you're welcome when, when the, when the parents are like, come eat, come eat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you look skinny too skinny yeah. oh my like, god and then they come back and they're actually fat and then there's <laughs> they're just like oh maybe <laughs> still have some more <laughs> and it's like no it, it it's great i think um being part of you know just being an asian american you forget about those little things especially going overseas and you don't get them and you don't you don't understand like other people how they grew up too is like not everyone has experienced the same type of hospitality and the same just close big but close families so that's why i love hockey so much because that's what it is it's just a big family and everyone has each other's backs and you know and i don't know if you guys saw that movie with joe coy i took my mom to see it and she was I haven't dead yet. i need she to. was dead i was literally like so many times <laughs> i was like that is you that's actually you but I, I i loved it i was laughing hysterically and so is she like you know yeah so he's, no good one funny. yeah good one to see with your parents that's for sure for sure yeah no, i just got done watching his new netflix show oh he has one yeah yeah it came out um if i ever had time to turn this... the tv on i'll I'll check it out but <laughs> this tv is like this is a this is a tv that's been in here and I, it's not even plugged mm-hmm. in so <laughs> it's just for show yeah <laughs> i could plug it in but like re- really like i didn't realize with the sharks it was so dumb of me because I was like, oh, yeah, I'll be, like, off by two. It's an all-day, everyday type job. And I don't, don't know why it kind of just blew over my head because I've been a player. And my days have always started at 8 a.m. and they always end around 12 because that's your practice. That's your, that's your games. And then games at night, obviously. But you don't realize how important your support staff is until you're actually one of them. Um, even being with Cumlin, we, like – I don't know if you guys know the name Steph Klein, but she's the first female equipment manager. Um, she's with the Toronto Marlies right now, and she's she's Chinese, um, half Chinese, half German, I want to say. But because she was with me the first couple of years when when I was going through it, she taught me how to be, hey, like, hey, this is what we do in the AHL. This is what we do in the NHL. And I was like, okay, like, 
I can do that. Like we can make sure our environment is, is, is like this. And because she instilled that year one and kept, you know, holding us accountable to those standards. It was just like, when I came here, I was like, Oh yeah. Like we actually do it better. And now I can help this kind of like, kind of bring what I've learned from her. And she's, she's currently with the Marley's right now, but I still learn from her. I still call her, ask her questions all the time. But, um, for some reason, I don't know why, I was like, my day doesn't end ever at two. It's just like there's always something to do. And, and now I have that appreciation because when she was with me, my day still ended at two. Like, But she did so much work behind the scenes that you wouldn't even you know, realize why you're able to finish work so early. But here it's like now you know, we don't, we don't have as much staff on the AHL side, so everyone has to help each other out and make sure – you know, we're supporting each other. If anyone ever needs anything, like, stay, help out. Um, so for me, I don't mind it at all. I just, you know, so dumb. I didn't even, like, oh, yeah, forgot. You have to do this. We're support staff. Support each other. Um, so we have our first road game on Friday. So I'm really looking forward to it because I know when from playing how chaotic it was. I, I just kind of excited to just d- dive into it and see any differences or if these go if they go smoother here, and I hope it does. But we'll see. Rooting for you. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the <laughs> things I live for now. <laughs> um, so Should we transition? Yeah. Let's move on to fun questions. Um, can you tell us about your corgi? <laughs> my Bodie, my, my corgi's name's Bodie. Um, he's a burnt corgi, Pembroke. So he's got no, no tail. He's got a cute little nub. He's got a harp shaped butt. Um, and this is, again, this is a lot of the stuff, and I don't mind ever, like, talking about it because I think it's always good to talk about the hardships you've had to go through. But I lost my my first Corgi Titan last September, mid-September, when I was in Russia. I was devastated. I was like, you know when you don't expect it? And um, he was like my boy, like your best friend. And I'm, I wasn't here for it, which was – I couldn't come home. I was like, and I can't come home for seven more months. So um, – of course, you know, my mom, my dad were devastated too. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. And um, I looked online real like like a month later, I was starting to look online because I was like, I can't come home and deal with, you know, not having my corgi. And I looked online and it always ends up being the right person at the right time. And I looked at different breeders and this breeder reached out because she, she heard from, you know, down the grapevine, hey, I heard you're looking for, you know, a toasted male corgi. And I was like, yeah, I am. Um, and she's like, we just had, you know, a, a litter and we'll keep an eye out for you. And I called her and I told her, hey, this was my old corgi and, and what had happened. And she's like, I- I'll pick the right one for you because I obviously can't be there to pick him out. And I reserved, she, she told me, you're going to love this one. I reserved him. When I went to pick him up, it, it was like I was expecting the same dog. And it's never going to be like that. But he was exactly what me and my family needed. From the moment we saw him, he was just a very supportive corgi. Like, he didn't leave my mom's side in the car. And, you know, me and my mom, had, we, we had a big loss in our family. Um, the week before the Olympics, my dad had passed away. And um, we, we were going through some things. And... I didn't pick up Bodie until I got home from the Olympics. And ever since then, he's just been the greatest support animal. Like if, if any time we would break down and just cry, or we would feel sad. 
He's just right there. And you can't be sad when there's a corgi around. You can't. Like, it's impossible. And just looking at the way he walks, you're just like. <laughs> so, a little heart butt as he yeah, walks away. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing I love about corgis, and I, would, oh, I will always continue to get corgis, is their personalities are just like, they kind of remind me of how I am. Just very sarcastic. And, like, with their humor, like, they can, they're really, like, they're really mean sometimes. <laughs> like, they can be really mean sometimes. And you're just like, but but then they go back to normal and they're the sweetest things ever. You wouldn't know. Because, like, you just saw the devil and now you're an angel and that's how he is. Honestly, that's probably how I am, too, how people perceive me. as like, she's crazy. She's so mean. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, your best friend. It's like, it's like yeah, people's like, yeah, you have a split personality. That's what you have. Probably. <laughs> But um, he's very similar similar to me, and I think that's why it helps so much is that um, I don't forget about the first Corgi at all, but he, he helped us so much in terms of, you know, just, just moving forward. Um, and, like, we can't be sad. Like, it's, like, it's impossible to be sad when I'm around him. So, um, yeah. And he's, he's Jack, too. My, my last Corgi was, you know, you guys seen that movie Shallow Hell? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you I, like, I thought he was the, like, perfect size corgi, and everyone's telling me, he's like, he's a chonker. And I'm like, no, he's not. He looks great. And now I go... Don't say that about my kid. Yeah. No, that's how I felt. I was like, and um, he's great. What are you talking about? And then I look back at videos, and I'm like, wow, he was pretty big. And they're like, yeah. I was like, no, I, like, he's huge. Like, I didn't see that, and I felt like Shallow Hell when he, he could finally see again. And I was like, wow. And, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of funny. I'm just like, man, I did not realize that at all. And now I have Bodie, who's like the skinniest, most jacked corgi you'll ever meet. And, like, just complete opposites. And my mom's like, oh, don't worry. He's skinny now, but, you know, for now. And, she, and that's how my other get it done. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Oh, but that's the great thing about being here is that I can now watch, watch them. <laughs> and he's been great. I've been bringing him around work and, and the guys love him. Like, how, uh, like I said, you can't be, you can't be sad or angry around a corgi. And he just walks around the weight room with his butt and he's, what's up guys? Like, <laughs> like everyone loves him. And, and when he, and then when I'm just chilling in the office, he's usually just right here with me. So he's, he's been a good dog so far and he's a, he just turned a year two days ago, so I he was born like two weeks after my other my other corgi had passed, which you know, hopefully some reincarnation of of, yeah. of him a bit. Um, they look really similar, but very different personalities, which I love. Yeah, and I also had a I rescued a dog from China too. Her name was Noodle, and uh, short little stubby legs. Like I'm pretty sure half corgi. And um, I actually rehomed her to one of my athletes that I trained. They moved to Chicago and I rehomed her. And I think that's been a good thing because she wasn't getting much attention when my other corgi was around. Um, but she is also this jacked little <laughs> mixed corgi. Um, but again, my, my athlete keeps sending me videos of her every now and then, which is great. Because uh, like, I don't know if you guys knew anything about our team in China. We were rehoming dogs like it was our job. Like, we would find them on the street, and we would try to rehome them. We took, like, every year, we would have a batch of dogs we would take home and rehome. Um, and in Russia, one of my teammates actually rehomed a couple dogs, too. So, yeah. Big dog Just lovers. Animal lovers. Animal rescue yeah. slash hockey players. Yeah, we don't, slash... we don't have anything else to do. Like I said, our, our day ends at 12. 
You add that to your resume. <laughs> yeah, I should. But um, I always thought like one day I would like own a ranch, like with one of my teammates or maybe more of them and just like kind of have a rescue going. Valkyries. Could still do it. People don't throw corgis on the street though. I get, oh, you're not going to see anyone throw corgis out on the street. Um, yeah. It's usually like, like other dogs, which is unfortunate, but um, if I'm, I donate, I only donate to like rescue, rescue mm-hmm. foundation. So that's, that's where my money goes. <laughs> Anything I make towards the animals. <clears throat> okay. Next question. Do you have, do you currently have a favorite show you're watching? Oh wait, you don't watch. I don't watch much, but, um, <laughs> um, I was, I watched all American when I was in, um, Russia that was like pretty much the only show. Yeah, I'm pretty boring. Like I don't, I don't really follow anything except for hockey and hockey. Yeah, that's I mean it. you're in the right company. That's my day to day. Yeah, hockey, yeah, hockey. Um, yeah. No shows. Actually, Bridgerton. I season one was great. Season mm. two, mm. but yeah, Bridgerton too. That's do you binge it. watch or do you watch? Yes, like- yes. Like I'll like once the new season comes out, I'll watch it in two days. Like. Actually, like there's, there's, I'll keep rewatching because sometimes you know you just have it on in the background and then you just mm-hmm. rewatch it over and over again. That was me, like all, all Russia, like just rewatching shows because I like missed out on subtle things before. But yeah, yeah. but other shows, if you guys have any recommendations, if I have time, oh, I'll, I'll throw it up here. But just, uh, Cobra <laughs> Kai, Cobra Kai, I kind of like because you could just throw it on and not really yes. pay attention. Yeah. Um, and I do like how they brought back like the old cast and all that. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, like, I don't know. Like, yeah. How old were you guys? Like, did, was that like part of your childhood? Um, Karate Kid. Yeah. 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 Karate kind kid. of. Yeah, I'm 31, so I don't know where you guys are on that. I'm a bit I'm, older. Yeah. I'm just about your age. Yeah. I'm 30. Yeah. So, yeah, Karate Kid for sure. But um, yeah, I think that's it. I don't. Sometimes I like rewatch old episodes of Pokemon. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. I was really just gonna bored. ask you, like, do you do you like cartoons, like animated shows? Mm, yeah, Pokemon. That's about it. Well, when I was growing up, I liked Beyblade. I liked Yu-Gi-Oh. I think that's that's it, though. And then when I started playing hockey, I never looked at a TV unless I was watching <laughs> hockey games. Um, and then in Russia, if my teammates were my teammates would just be like, oh, did you see this? And I was like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll watch. I'll binge watch um, just to stay part of the social circle. But that's about it. If if you get the opportunity to, I highly recommend the Harley Quinn series. It's really good. I will put that on the list. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, I have this list of things. Like, I just put on sticky notes and I just put them on the wall. <laughs> and then once once I do it, it's off the wall. But, like, guys will come in here. And they'll look at the wall and like never. They'll walk out. He's like, "Never mind, you didn't do it." (laughs) (laughs) But that's how I I am fully. I'm functioning currently in this new office. So (laughs) yeah, I'll put that one on this. Is that a Netflix show? It's on HBO Max. That's why I'm like, if you can. Oh, I'm gonna just totally put it on the Barracuda card. (laughs) Card. Nice. Yeah, that's gonna do. Yeah. So. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure because on the road, I'm gonna have a little bit more time than I'm used to. Um, I'm really excited about going on the road because I've always loved road trips as a player. Um, you just get, you know, see how other things work. You get to travel, so we get to travel. We're going to Iowa next week, and then 
I think Calgary is going to be our next trip in November. So I'm really excited. So are you guys coming up or sorry, I'm not in Vancouver, but oh, do we you are, guys go we to are. Abbotsford? Yeah, we're going there in December and I have a ton of, ton of teammates that are, that are from there that I'm going to be able to see, which is great. Cause, um, again, with the schedule, wasn't expecting no off days, like no off days. I, I looked at the schedule and there's like one built in and then they're like, Oh no, we changed our mind. And I was like, Oh sweet. Um, <laughs> But then I saw it on the schedule. Like I tried to mark everything on the schedule where I could see my old friends and stuff and make sure I can grab a, grab some dinner with them when I go down. Drive by fist pump. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's going to have to be like that. So um, it's okay because I, I love, like I said in the beginning, like I love coming to work. The work, it doesn't even feel like work. The only time it feels like work is when I have to go like to the other side and grab like water, like 20 cases of water and roll it back by myself like that's the only like real work I feel so other than that everything's good your job sounds fun my job is super fun especially because like these guys are so they're they're great guys um and it's funny because when I always talk to the managers and they're like oh you know just you know we we can make changes like if we need to you know give you your own stall and stuff and I was like no I'm already set up in the men's locker room I'm good and they're like, oh, yeah, but if you want a curtain around, no, I'm good. Like, and the thing is, like, the guys treat you – there's so much respect for, for each other here. And um, everyone makes sure, like, everyone's comfortable and everyone's being respected well. And um, I love the organization for that because, uh, you know, I, don't, I didn't expect any, any differences. And I don't. Like, they treat me like one of the guys. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, in the meetings, they'll forget that I'm in there. They'll be like, all right, see you, boys. And I'll just be like, like see you, Rach. I'm like <laughs> – <laughs> but but it's just how they've never seen a female which is for me it's it's almost like um it's cool because they've never seen a female in in men's hockey so it's new to them and I don't blame them for not realizing like there's females around so um we have an AT who's also a female and I asked her like oh is this your first position like with the men's team you know it is and it's awesome because like I said in the beginning I don't know how many other trainers there are in the AHL, NHL. So um, beginning to think that this is awesome just in terms of paving a, another path for females like I did with women's hockey, just, just globetrotting. Um, is she is she the one who, who sits up or stands on the bench as well with the yeah, players? Yeah, yeah. Because we were watching uh, one of the preseason games, and I was like, Jay, did you see? There's a, there's a, there's a lady on the she's, bench. She's like, Asian too. She's Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> So she might be your next one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, when we were talking, um, and then we found out that you were the new strength and conditioning coach, there was, like, one picture, and we, like, zoomed in, and I was like, okay, that's not Rachel. Who is that other person? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, coming coming at it from being Asian-American, and, I mean, yeah, there's pockets of spaces where, you know, like you said, you never felt like you were um, – there were other Asians around, so you never felt like you stuck out and whatever. But, you know, in, in some instances, like when I was uh, growing up and um, I think it was around the 2006 Olympics or something like that, that was the first time I saw Julie Chu on the mm -hmm. Team USA. And, you know, coming from from my perspective, I home in on that because I'm like, wait, 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 whoa, we're, we're on a hockey team versus, you know, someone who isn't uh, Asian American or, you know, like hockey being majority 
like white people, like it doesn't stick out to them. But for me, I'm like, I want to know everything about this person because it, you know, especially, you know, when we asked you if you wanted to come on to the show, because it, there's so many other things that like we could talk about that I find personally very exciting. Yeah. When you said that, Julie Chu, um, what really got me into hockey is there was a, I forget what the it's called. It's an old VHS, but it's about the Canadian 98 Olympic team. Um, and I looked on there and there was uh, Vicky Samahara and I was like, she's Asian. And it was the Canadian, but it was the Canadian team. But I loved that video because it, it just, it went in depth of, you know, their daily lives and their training. And you just got to know each one of them because they had interviews with each person and you just saw like, and this is the thing I love about women's hockey and I wish they did it more is just insight on, you know, our lives because who, which like not, not many of us are playing professionally just, and just playing professionally. There's always another side. There's always another job or there's a family you're raising something and being able to see that part of, part of them got me into the game. Like I was like, they're just normal, normal people, but they're, you know, they're Olympians and they have to do jobs on top of this. They even talked about the money, like just to support, to train is nothing, but they're still able to perform for their country. And for me seeing that I bought a Canadian team Canada Jersey right away. I still have this Jersey and um, I never wore it on the ice because obviously I know like <laughs> don't, but it would, it just hung in my room for the longest time. And I would never like Team USA beat them that year too. It was in the 98 Olympics. Um, but even seeing Vicky Sonohara there and I was like, there's Asians who play hockey. That's unreal. And um, that's where I felt like it was just like I never felt out of place playing hockey because, again, a lot of my teammates were Asian. Um, growing up in this rink, mostly everybody has a drop of Asian blood. It, it's, it's hard to come across someone who doesn't. And I, I even talked about it with our staff on the junior shark side i was like i can literally make like a junior team china like with the players here and he's like yeah you could there's there's a lot i was like so for me it's it's great because so much culture is coming through this rank and a lot of them are straight from china which my teammate has been speaking with parents who only speak chinese so it, it's pretty cool to see that and i can kind of understand it so i'm like i'm not completely out of place in conversations um and I've had a lot of Chinese parents come up to me and say, I'd watch, I watched you in the Olympics. And I was like, that's crazy. Like I, cause you're from California, you're, you're in California, but I didn't get much coverage in terms of like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, she's in the Olympics. It, it was barely any coverage here for it. Cause again, it's women's hockey. And I understand that, but the Chinese families saw it because they saw me represent team China. And, you know, there's obviously some controversy just because it's like, well, you know, you weren't born there or, you know, stuff like that. And I would hear that and a lot of stuff going on in the Olympics. But the fact is, is we've spent, the players who are there with our team has spent five years of our lives playing hockey in China and instilling ourselves in the culture of China and having Chinese teammates and trying to learn the language. Um, I wouldn't like, like I was fully engulfed in their culture and I'm fully proud to have played for them. And walking out like as the last team in the um, opening ceremony, I'll never forget that. That is like, it, at that point, it didn't matter what team, what country I was representing. It was that you're at the Olympics. You deserve this. 
Um, and thank you to Team China for giving me the opportunity to, for this. It wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, I just have a lot of pr like a lot of pride in, in playing for them, and that's why I want to keep performing for them. We have World Championships in Shenzhen um, next April. Um, and then we have to keep winning it in those championships because we, we just won the last one in Poland that got us out of the B division. Um, so now we're in the A division, and as long as we stay there, we'll, we'll be on a good track for 2026. Um, so, yeah. So as we close out this episode, um, I mean, perfect segue from what you mentioned about how, I mean, you were out playing in the Olympics and there wasn't a whole lot of coverage going on. Um, I mean, one of the many reasons uh, me and Nessa came together to start this podcast is because I felt what you had just mentioned. I wanted people to talk about, spe like specifically you and then the broader scope of, of Team China because there's folks that need to see themselves and that that's a, that's a segue into getting folks into this sport and to grow it and to not see that, especially since you're born and raised here. I mean, you went through the junior sharks and then you had, you know, your, your adventure through college and then pros. And then now you're at the Olympics. Like I'm still amazed when we hear anyone coming out of the Bay area and it's like making it to any of the top, uh, pro league so i mean it just kind of put a few like a fire under me that i can't wait around to have these stories being told i need to go out and make you know get the folks in and ask them the questions that i want to ask them because every time something like that happens i just think back to childhood jay who was trying to see themselves in those faces um and in, in my experience when i got into playing hockey actually some of my other friends got into going getting on the ice too but they went the figure skating route mm -hmm. so you know when you're when you're a kid you just kind of want to have friends right but it's like we would have the same sessions but they're off on the other side of the ice doing figure skating and i'm over here just trying to make friends with like the majority boys who I'm like, I don't have anything in common with you. We're just out here, you know, trying to learn hockey. So, um, I mean, now it's great to see more, more of that, um, diversity within, I mean, we're in the Bay area. It, it's a no brainer, but you know, even still we can grow so much more, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on. Because this is kind of, in, in, a, in a sense, a dream for me to get to ask you the questions that I wanted someone else to ask you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been interviewed, like, a ton about it. But in women's hockey, like, news only gets so far. It's, it's pretty hard unless you know what you're really looking for. Um, but I'm happy that you guys obviously have this podcast. Like, it's great. Like, I think the more stories we can get, especially from Asian Americans, like they, people need to know, like we're out there and actually we've made it. Like that's, that's the difference is like from California, like how many Olympians are going to come out of here for women's hockey, which is, it doesn't matter what country you're representing. It, it, 
it doesn't matter as long as you have invested in that country and just from me being fortunate is like they've invested in me and they continue to invest in me um, because they see like just not just me what I can do on the ice but just how I can grow the game for them um, and just the same with my North American teammates who are full Chinese um, I wish there was more coverage for it but again that's that's part of us we have to continue growing the game we have to make it to a point where people want to watch it and but again, it also has to just be on TV. Like you should be able to click the TV and women's hockey should be there. Um, and these names, like any name should be able to be like, oh my God, like for USA Hockey, obviously Hillary Knight, Brianna Decker, Kendall Coyne, like those are big names, but we need to know all of them. And that's what inspired me is like, I knew all of Team Canada 98. Like I knew every single one of them and you can kind of relate to them because you you saw, I saw everything like in terms of their daily life and just how, personable they are all were where now we're kind of like any coverage on us we have to be like very serious and and obviously professional all the time but like I don't know if you guys saw there was a clip that when I was at the Olympics there's a there's a camera right before you go on the ice and I didn't think it would be live I knew like there's a red light so it's recording but they're joking like oh what if it's live and I was like it's not live they're not going to use that footage and like like right away the next day like, I had people message me, like, the clip. I just, like, kind of popped in, like, like this. Like, just completely <laughs> joking around. But even some of my girls who saw it, they're just like, I've never seen that side of you. And it's like, or co girls I coach. Because, I, yeah, you have to, you always have to maintain a certain level of professionalism because you're trying to grow the sport and you want to, no one's perfect, but you want to show them, like, hey, like, this is what it means to be professional. But it doesn't hurt to show who you really are especially on national television. I didn't realize like that was going to be like on national television, but it ended up being a really good thing. And like, even in the game, it was a serious game. I think it was against, it was our second game. It was against Denmark. And to show the girls that you can be serious and professional, but also have fun. That's, that's the main part. That's when I, and I've never been one to ever have fun in my entire career. I've always been super serious and it wasn't until I went to Cunlin Red Star where I started to kind of ease up and just like, you know what? I actually play a lot better when I'm looser and I can actually be myself. I had the right environment to help, like, kind of bring who I really was out of me. Um, and, you know, I hope to still do that because when people see me on, on podcasts, like, I try to show them, like, I'm not that serious. Like, I'm actually, like, laid back and, like, super caring and just, like, I can be, you know, funny. And they just, no one's ever seen that side of me, which is pretty awesome, which is why I would love to jump on this podcast because, you know, throughout the whole talk, I feel like I went through a spectrum of my emotions. And it's like, when you talk to hockey players, it's just like, yeah, yeah, we do this, we do that. Very serious. And I'm just like, it's not who we are. Like, if you, and you know, like, you've been around hockey players. Hockey players are, like, you know, everyone's got their own personality, just like corgis, like, but how would people know that? And then why would people want to watch you if they don't really know? Um, because in men's sports, people love men's sports, like football, basketball, hockey. But in women's sports, you have to kind of have that personal part to it that if we can't compare to the men's game the way you want us to, you, you want us to play that way, then at least give, you know, viewers something to, to relate to. So... It's going to be our headline. Hockey players, they're just like corgis. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they really are. Their own corgis. Like, uh, like, if you guys met my corgi, I'm sure I'll see you guys around the rink. 
um, if you guys come to the CUDA games. He will be there November, I think it's 14th or the 2nd. I think it's the PAW day. So he'll be there. Oh, yeah. well, I have to see. I'm technically living in Vancouver right now, and I haven't decided when I'm moving back yet. So hopefully if soon. I'm here in November, the weather I sucks. Will... The weather sucks there. I was actually I spent my almost my entire summer training over in Vancouver. I was helping one of my really good friends run her first camp, um, try to get that off the ground and going. So I was I literally was traveling every every other week. I was traveling to Vancouver. Um, love the area, but not in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're actually, our, our Chinese team was based out of there last March, too. We trained out of there. The Olympic, uh, I forget, the Oval. Um, mm -hmm. But we, if we come back to North America, that's probably where our, our team would be stationed, just because of where you're at. Like, I'm sure, like, like it's China. It's literally the new China in Vancouver. I, <laughs> I love it. Like, the food and the people, like, I feel like whenever I'm there, I'm like, yeah, we're... It, it feels oh like God. Shenzhen. The dim sum there is so good. <laughs> Everything has been pretty good, especially if you know someone local. Like, I've had just fortunate, like, my friends grew up there, and they're from there, and they just spoil me while I'm over there. But, um, no, it's awesome. Like, I can't wait to go back and see them. And then I think that's mid-December when we go. <clears throat> okay. Right, Nessa, you want to close it out? I, I don't... Sure. I mean, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like? Do you have any shout outs you'd like to give off to close out the, the shout outs? Um, shout outs just to my family. I mean, just being there for me, even though I don't get to see them often. Um, my teammates who are in Russia right now, like just just grinding it out. I, I wish I could be there, and you know, personal decisions. I have to stay home, but um, I'm still thinking about them and and just everyone who's kind of come come through that come Red Star Circle that has influenced me in a positive way and just kind of helped me get to the AHL and the NHL. Like, I wouldn't be here without them, that's for sure. Um, but I hope to to return to women's hockey in the near future, by 2026. So, But in the meantime, I'll be with the CUDA, so I hope you guys you can check out the games and find some success this season. For sure. We're looking forward to it. Well, we're really glad that they picked you up. I mean... It's going to be a cool to see you and um, what you're going to do with the CUDA, with them into shape. And we'll be rooting for you, hopefully, with uh, the next Olympics coming up. And um, with that, we'd like to thank Rachel once again for coming on to the podcast. And I am your host, Jay. I'm Nessa. And Thanks we'll for see you on us. the next episode. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yep. Yeah.